Hello. Now, I am so looking forward to bringing you this episode because in it, I'm talking with Andrea Lucina Orr, who is the Colour and Communications Manager for the Dulux Group. We're actually going to be talking about the colour forecasting they do and how to use colour effectively in your home. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colours, materials and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off our episode. Now, as I said in the intro, Andrea Lucina Orr is the Colour and Communications Manager for the Dulux Group. Andrea actually joined Dulux with a strong background in colour and design and her role at the Dulux Group encompasses trends and colour forecasting and then presenting her findings to trade, retail and media. And of course, her recommendations play an integral part in the Dulux Group marketing strategies. She's a member of the International Colour Marketing Group and International Colour Association, and Andrea scours the globe in pursuit of her passion, colour forecasting. Completely entrenched in the findings from trade fairs, including Milan Design Week, Andrea with her colleagues Davina Harper, who is the colour and design specialist for Dulux New Zealand, and Bree Leach, who is the creative director for Dulux Colour Forecast, they all work together to solidify their concepts and insights for the Dulux Colour Forecast. Andrea actually says that colour is an an essential ingredient in everything I do. It has an amazing power to transform spaces and I love the emotional connections you can create through personalising colour schemes. 
Geolux has been officially colour forecasting for 21 years. Isn't that a long time? And in September 2019, they released their latest, which 2020's colour forecast, which is actually united by the theme Essence. There are four key colour palettes in the Essence theme. They're called Cultivate, Comeback, Grounded and Indulge. And each of these palettes speak to a different idea or inspiration and contain a range of their own stunning colours. Andrea and her team have created some amazing collateral to highlight these colour palettes and I really encourage you to check them out. I'm going to pop a link in the show notes so that you can see this beautiful imagery and colours, these beautiful styled rooms that really represent the colours in each of their pa- these palettes. It's a range of stunning muted neutrals and gentle tones. They're inspired by nature and then there's some richer colours as well that are giving warmth and nostalgic references. Andrea's actually been with Dulux for 21 years and her passion and her eye for colour and her skill in identifying the colours that we will truly want to have around us in our homes and lives is incredible and I can't wait to share her wisdom and advice with you. I've personally used Dulux products on my own homes and in my own projects for over 20 years now. They're my go-to for colour schemes and for paint products and so it was such a buzz to be able to speak to Andrea, just someone with her expertise and her role in shaping the colours that we see and we we think about using and in particular I was so excited to be able to ask her a question that I have wondered about for so so long which was how do they actually come up with all the colour names haven't you always wanted to know that there's some some funny and obscure and beautiful names of colours and I've always been really fascinated and, and wondered when I've seen them how on earth they came up with that so I got to ask Andrea that question in this interview so I really hope that you enjoy this episode let's listen now Well, Andrea, it's fantastic to have you here. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you because, uh, you know, as we were saying before I jumped on, Dulux is the product that I've always used in my career. I have loved Dulux paints and uh, have used them extensively in my work and uh, in my own projects as well. And I love what Dulux does with its colour forecasting, with the way that it puts colours together, the colour range that it generally has, and the colour forecasting packages that you guys have been putting together over the last few years have just been stunning in terms of the way the collateral gets pulled together, the way the images, uh, you know, the styled sort of rooms and the way the colours get presented to help people really visualise how those colours could be applied in their own uh, environments and in their own homes. Can you tell me a little bit about your background, about how you actually got into this career path and and uh, immersed yourself in this world of colour? Sure. So my background is I'm an I'm in interior designer. So, um, but I my specialty has always been colour. That was my passion right from college days. Um, and when I first started at Dulux, I actually um, managed the Dulux colour design service for Australia and New Zealand, and I did that for a number of years. And then I just uh, this was the in the infancy of websites. Um, my my background is also in IT, so I started working on the colour, the digital side in our um, very very uh, um, what can I say. In the old days of websites, <laughs> that's all I can say. Um, so to, to get to forecasting, it was a very um, long journey because back 20 years ago, when we started doing our forecasting, it was probably about 23 years ago, it was purely for media. So um, we really did it because the media would come to us and say, what are you guys seeing in colour? You know, what are you, what are you projecting forward? What's happening in design? Because we would get a lot of information from our colour suppliers from overseas in particular. 
And back then, you know, not a lot of us travelled for work. I used to go to the colour marketing group conferences in Europe. So I used to, you know, obviously have a lot of information from that as well. So we just sort of slowly and surely um, started building our reputation with um, colour forecasting and really just uh, doing reports on what we saw and um, and just, I suppose, understanding the key um, areas where we had to focus on in colour forecasting as well. But it's been a long journey and it was it was something that we sort of fell into because um, there was a need there. Yeah, it's amazing and it's incredible to see the development over time. You have you guys have been doing it for a very long time and you personally have been doing it for a very long time. So uh, it's lovely to see that it has actually developed into this really, I suppose, um, fantastic opportunity for Dulux to uh, give give everybody really good direction about what we're seeing, what we can be inspired by. And I know you believe that colour plays a really big part in how we feel, how, you know, the emotions that we feel. How do you see colour having a role in creating the specific way that we feel in our homes in particular? Um, from a residential perspective, I think it's um, even more important to feel connected to your space. Um, that's, you know, the whole mindfulness and the wellness platform now, I think we're really understanding what an important role is our environment plays in the way we actually actually do feel. And I think, you know, you probably know about healthy building codes and healthy homes and things like that from a uh, an environmental perspective, but it also is about the connection. And colour is such an important connection personally that not it's such a personal um, platform anyway that everyone will have a differing um, appeal as far as, you know, I, I like green, you like red. It's such a personal thing. And um, what I really believe is that until you've worked, until you've lived in a space with colour, you don't know what you're missing. And I always say that whenever I speak. Um, whenever you go into a space, it automatically makes you feel at ease um, it makes you feel like this is where you're meant to be. Often it is the colour that makes you feel like that. You know, and, and I think unless you, if you live in a white space or a grey space, you're, you're missing something. And that's why I say, why don't you try a little bit of colour? You know, just try a little bit. Even if you just do it in your, you know, use the colour in your bedroom initially, because that will at least give you the feel of what colour can bring to the space. Yeah, I love that idea. It's funny, isn't it, how we do have such um, strong, uh, you know, evocative kind of memories attached to specific colours or I know it took me, a, I wore green my entire school life. So it took me a really long time to love green again. And now I actually really do love green. And perhaps I wonder if it's because I kind of got out of the, the machinations of school being so close to me, <laughs> but then it actually became kind of a really solid grounded colour for me because it had been part of my life for so long. And, you know, Undercover Architect has a lot of green in it. We have a lot of green around us. So, you know, and I see the same things happening for people. They're particularly gravitated to blue because they like that sense of coastal kind of experience or sky or it's really, yeah, you're so, it's, it's such a great opportunity. And people will talk a little bit more uh, later in our interview about people being brave with colour but I do see we sort of choose white or grey as a safe kind of you know simple choice a neutral choice and then we um we forget that we have an opportunity to really personalise the environment around us through how we apply colour. Now can you take us through a little bit about just the general principle of colour forecasting because a lot of homeowners they're often researching and preparing for their projects they might even once they've started with an architect still be two or three years out from seeing their finished home and there's that 
essence of kind of trying to choose something that is going to be something we'll be gravitating towards, but also that has a sense of timelessness about it, that it's not so trendy or stylish that it's something it's going to really date. And so how do you, how does that colour forecasting kind of approach work in terms of th- people thinking about, okay, what might be something that we'll like having around us in two or three years' time? The good thing about interior colour forecasting, it's very different to the fashion world where it's very seasonal-based. Interior forecasting is really about, it's an evolution on year on year. So when you look at um, last year and you look at this year, so if, if we compare 2019 versus 2020, there'll be a couple of colours that may have shifted quite a lot, but ultimately it is an evolution of that yellow green might become a little bit more greener or a little bit more bluer. So, you know, it's it's a case of evolving ever so progressively because interior colours don't move as quickly as fashion colours in the apparel industry. So if, and I always say this to people, when we do our colour forecasting, we give four palettes for a reason. We don't do a colour of the year because I don't think one colour is right for everyone. I just don't, I don't, I don't feel that that's the right message. So what we do is we try and give something that is going to encompass everyone. So we still have a neutral palette. We have our grounded palette this year has some beautiful warm neutrals. Now, where that shifted from two years ago, we had a very cool palette. So that is a big shift. And a lot of that is because we've gone to a brown base. We've left the, the grey decade behind. That happened last year. And we've really moved into the brown decade. That's not to say we're going to see Mission Brown back, but it's more <laughs> about seeing that warmer um, base to all of the colours, even to the whites in particular. So when we think about um, anything to do with um, a colour moving from one year to the next year, um, we always think about what is going to be our base colour. So hence why whites and greys are still in very important. They're a very, very big part of our market, both from a residential perspective, but importantly in the commercial area as well. And what we have found is that they are warming up. So whether you're using a grey or a white um, or a greyish, a beige grey, which is very popular, they tend to be uh, have a little bit of a um, undertone of warmth. Now, if that's the case, you can't go wrong. So if you're even, you know, got pen to paper and just in your drafting stage and your property won't be ready for three years, if you stick to that warmth underlay, you can't really go wrong at the moment. So then you just have to, you know, as I said, you know, we've got four palettes to choose from. One is predominantly green, one is predominantly blue, and one is all of those warm, rich, you know, burgundies and gorgeous corals and things like that. So there's something for everyone, and it's it has to be a colour that you love. That is the most important thing. Forecasting or no forecasting, it still has to connect you to the space. So we know greens are very, very big. We know that that is a phenomena that's going to continue. That's a very big platform, the green area. So if you really love greens, you're going to be safe to use greens for a number of years. Um, and what we're finding is the greens are very earthy, very muted. So they are very classical greens anyway. And you'll find that with a lot of the colours in our forecast. They've got a real earthy, muted um, undertone as well as being that under, underlying warm area as well. 
Yeah, there has been a very big shift from those cool bases to those warm bases, hasn't there? And I think that it does create a much greater sense of, uh, I suppose, relaxation and restoration to have that warm base to your colour palette, whether it is, you know, you're using neutrals or you're using something that's a stronger colour. So that's great advice in terms of thinking about how people can think about choosing colours that, you know, they might not be using for a couple of more years. I'd love, without you giving away trade secrets, obviously, I'd love to understand uh, a little bit about how Dulux goes through this process of creating their colour forecast, because I can imagine it's pretty lengthy. You also, you know, you involve other uh, external consultants and those types of things in the process. I know you travel overseas and I'm really curious when you start sort of looking at the next year, you know, because <laughs> I imagine this is a kind of an well, enduring is, process. It's so. just continuous. It yeah. doesn't, it never ends. The cycle just <laughs> continues on. So what we find is as soon as we get back, we have to, so basically Milan is like the launch um, pad for us. Um, and and uh, we also go to the Colour Marketing Group uh, conference, which uh, is in Europe as well. So we get a lot of information more on the macro trends as well as the colours in Europe and what, what sort of is happening now and where we see that colour going. But importantly, um, when we get back, it's about collating the images and looking for repetition of colour. That is the number one thing. And we don't even just look at colour. We look at colour, we look at design and we look at texture because obviously the, the three are going hand in hand. Um, then what we have to do is we have to overlay our cultural aspects. So we, we work our palettes for Australia and New Zealand. So we have to make sure that these colours are going to work for our lifestyle, they're going to work from our cultural perspective, and they're going to work for our light. Because as you know, the Australian uh, and New Zealand light, the, the, you know, it, it is much brighter than it is in Europe. So there's some colours we know that just don't really always work here so well. So once we've done that, that takes about three weeks to cull through all these images and actually work through the repetition and the shading and tones and colour. Then we have to put them into palettes. That's probably one of the hardest parts because it needs to be a palette that actually has a story behind it. So a lot of the information that we get from our macro trends uh, information, so we look at what ha what's happening with the Future Laboratory in the UK. We look at, obviously, the Colour Marketing Group as well. Um, and we also look at what is happening on, on just the, the global stage, you know, from a financial perspective, from a political perspective, what's happening in media. You know, even things like uh, years ago, we had, um, you know, when Games of Thrones was really in its, you know, absolute peak. Um, I remember um, reading an article where Ikea was saying that they were selling a lot of those small rugs, those sort of fur, oh, faux wow. fur rugs. And they couldn't quite work out why, you know, they were selling so many of these rugs and they had to keep ordering more and more. And what it boiled down to was people were having Games of Thrones parties and <laughs> using these rugs as costumes, <laughs> as a cape. So it's, it's funny, isn't it? But that's just from one particular show. So there's little things like that that are, you know, little sort of um, idiosyncrasies that happen in, in forecasting. You can't tend to forecast that sort of thing. But, you know, even media shows are very important. When Mad Men were um, the rage, I don't know, eight years ago, and we had all those beautiful 50s-inspired um, fashion, and then you started seeing that real retro feel come back into the interiors. So there's a lot of influence on on particular trending shows as well. Yeah, and I think that uh, 
you know, that really came through as I was starting to research, you know, what, what had been sort of behind the way that you created the 2020 colour forecast, which is, uh, it came out in September. So it was launched with spring uh, and its theme is essence. And, you know, you started to see how how much you as a team had considered in the layers of information to bring in the inspiration for those colours and the, and, the, and particularly the theme kind of and what pulled the theme together. And I thought I just was, yeah, I was blown away by how uh, how much you'd interrogated those layers of social, political, environmental, just what's really the tone of our time and then how does that apply to the kinds of colours that we want to have around us and the types of, um, then the types of, I suppose, emotions and ways that that will make spaces feel. So can you tell me a little bit more, you touched on mindfulness and health and wellness before, um, can you tell me a little bit more about essence the theme and why you believe it's the 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 theme for you know this particular time sure well when we're constantly on and I think that's where it boils down to it's being reconnected back to humans and reconnected back to the space that we're in and really living in the moment Um, a lot of the talk from our conference in particular was really about us feeling a bit depleted and feeling a little bit running on empty pretty much. So we need to be recharged by things around us and by connecting back to, you know, humans again or, you know, being person to person rather than always being online, (laughs) funny enough, as we're speaking now. (laughs) Um, And and I think um, a lot of our particular themes, um, you know, come back, cultivate, obviously we've got grounded, very, very important and indulge, really speak to that whole theme. Because the underlying thing is all about reconnecting, but the, um, the the actual palettes themselves are very tonal inspired because that is very soothing to have that tonal colorways. Even though um, we know when you're using tonal color, it's actually not very easy. It's actually quite a hard thing to do to make a very successful look um, when you're using tonal color. But um, I think by showing people imagery, and that's where we really push, you know, the boundaries. Uh, in our forecast with um, using Brie Leach as our creative director and stylist. Um, it really is about holding um, or, or, or inspiring people to see how these tonal colours can look by adding these, you know, one or two accents that really make the, the image sing. And that could be directed through, if you're looking at a residential image, right back to the commercial area, it might be in a hotel foyer, it might be in a, you know, a new you know, trendy cafe. But um, the importance is it's that reconnecting and um, that grounded in, uh, palette in particular is extremely important because when we're talking about grounded, it is really about the environmental um, side and it's about craftsmanship. It's about getting back to the basics. And, um, and we know it's got like a little bit of a Japanese influence as well in that. And we know that that comes back to craftsmanship longevity, authenticity, um, and and importantly, it's about using, you know, recycle materials properly. It's about that whole um, product in life cycle. Um, and you would have seen, you know, this week even, I think um, there was a notification uh, on LinkedIn I read on IKEA about their, um, their recycle program where they actually resell if you bring your old um, you know, IKEA furniture in, you can actually, re- you know, they'll resell it for you. And I thought that's amazing, you know, and that's where we're going to see, I think, a lot more bigger brands do this sort of thing. Um, and we're, we're already seeing it um, in many big brands. 
Yeah, and I I think, you know, I, I always encourage homeowners when they're thinking about building or renovating and really starting to get kind of confused and overwhelmed about all the choices that are available to them to think about how do they want to feel in their home and what are they really seeking to achieve in the kind of sort of environment they want to create because I feel that that's a really good way to then sift and filter those decisions and I love that that, that – that you guys have really extended that through into the colours that you choose to have around you and the work that you have done in terms of presenting this imagery of these styled rooms that express these palettes. And I'll share um, I'll share those images and links in the in the show notes because um, you guys and Brie have done this beautiful job of crafting these environments that do show, okay, this is what it looks like when you combine these colours that are quite unexpected. And a lot of people would feel they'd have to have a lot of confidence or courage to kind of put those colours around them. But when you see the demonstration of just the impact it can create and how stunning and soothing it can be as an environment, I think it's just, yeah, it's such a credit to you guys because it's, um, it's. I can imagine the work that it takes to really, <laughs> to really pull those, you know, to find the spaces, obviously, and and to to decorate them and, and style them in those ways, and to choose the colours and those types of things. Um, and it it's such a visceral, I suppose, uh, you know, expression of that really enables people to picture themselves very clearly and 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 get a real yes or no, like a real polarity in terms of okay, yeah, I can immediately see, yep, that's exactly for exactly, me. Yeah. and that. And that's the whole, the ultimate idea is because as much as you can talk about it as, you know, it, it's about showing people images. And even like when I, you know, when we show designers and architects, um, they get the same feel because they're, they're trying to have that feel for their client. So they're trying to get into their client's skin and really understand where, where they're coming from. Um, so it's even a harder, you know, job really that they have. But um, I think showing imagery, you know, is really, really important because it does – a lot of people don't have the skill to understand how the colour can impact. Um, and I think until you physically see it – and we see the reactions on Instagram and Facebook and things, wherever the images are out there, we get the comments, oh, my gosh, I can see my living room in that. Oh, you know, or they'll, you know, tag their friend, this is perfect for your, you know, kitchen or living room or whatever it is. So we can see that you get automatic responses, which is really lovely. Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, you mentioned those palettes. Um, so you've got the th- the overarching theme of essence and then you've got the four palettes of cultivate, come back, grounded and indulge. And I'll share those palettes uh, in the show notes because I think it's really worthwhile homeowners um, seeing just the way that colours have been curated into those palette collections and they each have their own direction. They each have, have their own sort of specific sub-theme to the overall theme of essence. The machinations of this, you know, you mentioned you go and you collate all of these images and you look at the colours and the textures and you start pulling it together in these four sort of themes. How do you decide, like Dulux has just got, you know, obviously somebody stands in a Bunnings hardware and they can see the palette of Dulux on the wall. As as a professional, you know that there's great big books. swatch books of significantly more colors than that (laughs) and you know the most minor tones apart that really do make a difference if you choose one tone or the other because of the light or what you're coordinating it with or the warm or the cool base so how do you choose you know is it you know is it this side of that tone or this side of that tone like what's that process look like in terms of you kind of really curating down to those specific collection of colors sure we we start with a lot of color as you can imagine so what we do is we we spend about a week um going through the imagery and pulling the colors that we've seen so we we um and we use our Dulux World of Colour Atlas for that and then what we do is we have to collate um the palette 
to work with each other because obviously um, as much as um, like I mentioned you know Brown's coming back as as a key so we can't if we put anything that's really cool with a cool base it's going to stick out and even actually this year was really interesting because we our, our four palettes are so um, earthy and muted that we actually have four key highlight colors and we couldn't put them in the palettes. We had to separate them because they're so clean. Like that Eve's Climb blue, we've, we've um, uh, called it out as our Mondrian blue. We couldn't put it in a palette because it stood out like a sore thumb, you know. So we had to actually take them out as a separate palette on their own um, as highlight, you know, colours. Um, we know they're still very important, but we know also that they're used as an accessory colour. But um, And people will still pair them back with muted colours. That's fine. But, um, yeah, so there's still a lot of toing and froing in these meetings and there's still question marks right to the very end and colours coming in, going out, coming in, going out. Um, and as I said, it takes about probably about three weeks in its entirety to go through and till we're really, really happy. I can imagine the conversations. And are you taking them into different environments as well to see, because, you know, obviously, you know, standing in the fleur, under the fluoro lights of an office is going to be different to standing outside in natural sunlight. How are you sort of letting that impact what goes into the colour palettes too? Yeah, we, we really look at colour in natural light. That's our most important thing. So in our colour studio, we have natural light, which is fantastic. And um, when we're working with Breeze in Breeze Studio, it's all natural light. It's the only way you can work. We, we can't work, um, you know, it's got to be as accurate as possible. That's sensational. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the most important thing is undertones as well when we're going through all of that, because as you know, paint often has more than one tint. Um, and depending on the light and depending on surrounding colour, it will pull or draw particular undertones out. But um, that is the nature of colour, uh, whether it's a forecast colour or any colour. Um, so we can't get too bogged down with that. We've really just got to look at, at the colour and the story behind it as well. Yeah, because I can imagine you can look at a colour in isolation and go, yep, that's perfect for the grounded palette, but then you stick it into the ground, what you've got there and it might be throwing too much red or too much yellow Correct. when it's sitting. Correct, exactly. So that's what we've got to look at. It's got to be right in its palette. Um, and sometimes we shift them out of the palette into a different palette. That's that's the other thing is we think, no, this, this colour is actually too important. We can't just lose it. We just have to work out it needs to go into a different palette. Oh. That happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'd love to talk to you about naming because <laughs> sometimes I have chosen a colour specifically because I've liked the name. You know, I remember I did a range of colours for a housing project I was working on many years ago and I cho I was looking for a red and I chose a Dulux. Uh, the particular red was Carmen Miranda and I lo <laughs> love the name of it. And I have, I have honestly, there's been times where I've been trying to make a decision between one or the other and I've gone with one because of the name. How does the name, like how how do you guys name your colours? How are you, what does that process look like? And do you guys, are you obviously aware of the impact it has? Like, is that part of kind of the, I suppose it's a whole kind of marketing and, you know, what you what feeling you want to evoke and how does that whole process of naming work with the colours? Well, colour naming is absolutely critical because people remember colour names, they don't remember reference codes. That's the number one thing. So, Colour names, as you said, you've, you still remember that Karma Miranda colour. So you remember the name, whereas if you said that that was on P38G7, <laughs> you go, sorry? You know, you just wouldn't remember that. So that's a very important piece. It's about colour memory, connecting that colour name to the colour. 
So when we look at new colour, we always have to make sure that that colour evokes something that triggers the mind into thinking, yes, that's blue dove or that's yellow sea or that's, you know, it has to have some reference to the colour. That's a really important piece. Um, and sometimes because there's so many colours now, like we've got over 90,000 colours in our broader database and you have to have unique colour between the brands even as well. So it's a really hard thing. If you're bringing out a new colour um uh, you know, promotional, like it might be a new layer of, say we're doing a new World of Colour Atlas and we want to add a new page. This happened about three years ago of pinks. So we had to have, you know, 50 pinks. We had to think of 50 pink names. <laughs> and you think that pretty much most of them that we said were all taken already. They're already done and dusted. So that's that's where it gets really difficult these days. But it's still very important to make sure the colour reflects the colour name reflects the physical colour because otherwise there's no point. What's the point? Because you won't remember it. If you're going for a, you know, Sauvignon Blanc and it's a red, <laughs> you're going to go, hang on, that doesn't make any sense. You won't remember it either. Like it, it just needs to have some relevance. But, you know, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me about colour naming, I'd be a very wealthy woman. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like such a creative pursuit. You know, I know that we painted the girls' bedroom in bunny soft quarter. You know? <laughs> oh, yes, that's a beautiful colour. Yes. <laughs> and I remember standing there going, oh, I have to use this colour. Like they were tiny at the time and it's like, I have, like you can't like, can't come up with a cuter. You know, yeah. we were looking for a pale pink and it was like it was just awesome. So, And you have that emotional connection not only to the colour but to the name of the colour as well, which is really totally. important. You know, it does connect connect you it really does and years ago we used to have this color system called master palette which is a beautiful atlas it was amazing colors I think I had a, over 6,000 colors and a lot of the colors didn't have names they only had code references yeah so when we did our own um, atlas you know years later we made sure that every color had a name because a lot of people connect it with the name they don't connect it with the number system so it's a really important piece yeah, I think it's fantastic. I often imagine a group of people sitting in a room just throwing kind of <laughs> these names and words out, seeing what lands with people and what what it's it, yeah, it's just one of those things that chucking things into the, into thesaurus.com and seeing what else oh, comes there's up. There's lots, lots of there is a lot of that, I can tell you. There's um, normally quite a number of people in a room and we have to be on the database all the time because we have to be checking that that color hasn't already been used. So I remember Oh, probably about three or four years ago, just before we had the latest World of Colour 2 Atlas out, there was a new colour that we because we, we were adding a lot of grazes because we knew that that's where obviously this whole grey phenomenon is going into that grey beige area. So we added a whole new page of um, neutrals and natural colours. And um, when we were doing there was one colour, it was a beautiful charcoal that had like a, like just a subtle warmth to it. And one of um, one of our uh, colour tech people had named it um, charcoal fusion, and we all went, "Oh, that'll be gone. That's that'll be so gone." Looked up, no one had used it. <laughs> so, so sometimes you get a, a nice surprise, but that doesn't happen often. Normally, you're doing, you know, ten colour names, and and only one of them is not on the database already. So, it is a hard job now. Yeah, no, it's sensational. And in terms of testing, it's really important, isn't it, that you follow the uh, the specifications in terms of the undercoat and the number of coats as top coats to be really testing the colour accurately, isn't it? 
Absolutely, because if you've got um, any bleed from another colour below or if you, you know, you've got a very porous surface, like, you know, bare um, plasterboard just for an example, you'll never get that real colour because obviously the, the paint will sort of seep into the, the surface. So by using a proper undercoat, by applying, you know, two coats of the top coat, we even have products now, uh, we've got a really high build um, fantastic wash and wear super hide. So for those colours that are really super light, like our Vivid White, which is this paint in a can, where, you know, you don't want to have to do a number of coats to build up that film build and not see any bleeds from, from below, um, it's a really fantastic product because, you know, it has a lot more of the powder in the, in the paint. So it mu- is much easier to cover. So there's there's a lot of technology that happens in paint and that is one really fantastic story um, where, you know, if you're trying to cover something really, really well, I would always recommend Wash & Wear Super Hide. It's a fabulous product. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. I, um, I've i heard homeowners saying, you know, that they moved into a house that was all aqua, you know, really vivid aqua on the walls and then they've, they've almost boasted about the fact that it took five coats to cover it, you know, and it's like it shouldn't because you obviously you have used a really cheap paint that didn't get the coverage that you needed because they're, you know, are much better quality products out there. That, that's right, yes. Yeah, you shouldn't have to do five coats over that, you know. Maybe just a simple undercoat would have helped as well. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of skill as far as understanding, and this is where you know going to a professional and understanding what the product will do, what the job is that you're working with, and showing them photos is really important. You know, I know a lot of people that work in the retail stores, such as your Mitre Thames and your Bunnings Inspirations, you know, and even in our Dulux Trade Centers for architects and and you know designers, it's really important to. There's so much technology in paint, like we've come a long way, especially in the water-based products, that, um, you know, there's always there's always a solution to every job. You know, there, there's fantastic, you know, there's in um, our um, uh, undercoat area, we've got this new product called Precision, and that's incredible, you know, from a binding perspective and, um, you know, so there's a lot of great technology that happens uh, in that area. Andrea, I can't thank you enough. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you about this. You have a wealth of experience and knowledge and uh, I think I could keep talking to you forever about colour because what... <laughs> so can I. <laughs> but I will, I will put all the links in the resources so that the, um, the listeners can check out more information, see the colour forecast for themselves if they haven't caught them already. I really encourage everybody to jump on and follow Dulux on Instagram. It is just a, oh, it's a joy to see what's being shared in terms of the inspiration it can give. I saw a kitchen pop up yesterday it was like wow it had this beautiful soft green you know mm. overhead cupboards in a very simple palette but it just lifted the sense of joy in the in the experience of the space and uh, I think that's ultimately color has it gives us a huge gift and opportunity in how it can lift our experience and elevate how we feel in our home so absolutely yeah color is definitely the emotional connector to any space and that's whether you're in a hotel room right through to your own home or even at work in the office um, and, and I think once, as I said before, once people live with colour, they'll never live without colour. I say that about people living in well-oriented homes and living with northern lights. <laughs> totally, so true. I can so totally true. concur. So thank you so much, Andrew, for your time. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
I do hope that you enjoyed learning more about colour and about how Dulux shape their colour forecasts and that you now have some really great ideas about how to consider colour for your home. So make sure you head to the show notes. There's links and resources that I've mentioned in this episode all there. And be sure to check out the Dulux website. I've got a link for that in the show notes as well so that you can order swatches for all their colours online. So that's a great and it's a much lower cost way than buying sample pots. It's going to give you an A4 size colour swatch that they'll send to you. And also when you're in a paint centre, be it Bunnings or when you're at a Dulux trade centre, ask if you can see the colour atlas and you'll see just how many colours are available and uh, all of their sort of uh, tonal palettes available between the colours that you might be considering. Now, a word of advice generally, whatever paint you plan to use, Uh, whatever paint brand you plan to use, make sure that you choose the colours that you want to use from the palette of that brand of paint. You'll see people say, pick any colour you want, we can substitute. And, you know, lots of paint companies do offer that, but you will get a much better result and a much truer colour if you just stick to the palettes of the brands that you're using. So seriously, all the brands, they have so, so many colours to choose from. You're bound to find what exactly what you need within that brand. It is such a better way to go than trying to do a substitution across brands. This is particularly relevant when you're working with painters and you may have picked a colour and then your painter may say, no, we only use brand X and then just substitute it. I've seen so many, so much disappointment happen because it's just not been the right colour. So make sure you include that in all of your specifications. If you pick a brand, choose the colour from that brand's palette and specify that brand when you're getting your builder's uh, contract in place, okay? Now, you'll also find a link in the resources to learn more about Interior Design 101, which is the self-study online program that's going to help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. So inside Interior Design 101, Andrea and actually I have a lot more conversation about colour. We talk about how Dulux have actually developed their colours to help us live more calmly and access more happiness in our home. And we talk about some of the colour forecasting palettes from previous years that have really shown the impact that colour can have on us. And we also talk about where to start when you want to personalise your home and be braver with colour. I ask Andrea her advice about how to choose white. Uh, if you've <laughs> if you've ever tried to choose a white, you'll know how many whites there are to choose from. And so she's got some great advice to help you navigate that confidently. And then Andrea's also got advice for how to put together colour schemes, how to think about cool versus warm colour schemes, and also how natural light and electrical light can impact your colour schemes as well. So there's some great tips on that. Now, if you're keen to learn more about these things, then check out Interior Design 101 because the full interview with Andrea is inside there now. In the next episode, Francis is going to be back with me. Francis Cosway of White Pebble Interiors, we're talking about bathrooms. And we're going to be discussing the main considerations with your interior selections for your bathroom so that you get a functional, easy to maintain and good looking space. As always, huge gratitude to you. Thanks for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.